One more time. Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones, the host of the State of the Saints podcast. And on the State of the Saints podcast, once again, we have from the New Orleans Advocate and NOLA.com, we got Jeff Nowak. What's going on, Jeff? Yeah, in the dream. Uh, thanks for having <laughs> me on again. I'm glad hey, man, I appreciate it. I appreciate it, Jeff. Thank you so much uh, for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast again uh ready to talk new orleans saints and uh hopefully uh you can talk some of these members of the who that nation off the ledge right now <laughs> <laughs> that's what i'm that's what i'm here for that's my twitter persona these days is basically uh equal parts angry debating and equal parts pump the brakes that's uh <laughs> that's the recipe that I've, that I've gone with uh because man it's been it's been a rough couple weeks yeah, uh, in Louisiana football in general, like Ooh. that that Saturday Ooh. Sunday run of oh. LSU getting blown yeah. off the field, yeah. and then uh, the Saints kind of laying an egg on defense. Uh, that was uh, a yeah. that was quite something. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but that's the thing, Jeff. You know, anytime like the Saints lose a game, you know, everybody starts to panic. They lose two games, and now everybody like ready to get on that lid and ready to jump off. But uh, hopefully, some of the things that you actually seen and. And also some of the, the uh, things that you wrote in your article can kind of put things into perspective for the Who That Nation. And we're going to be talking about um, Drew Brees. Uh, we're going to be talking about Drew Brees and this whole arm strength uh, debate everybody has going. I mean, it has been taking up a lot of steam here, picking up a lot of steam on ESPN, Fox, uh, Fox Sports. Everybody's talking about Drew Brees' arm strength, the whole air distance. Uh, I think he's, uh, what, 4.3 yards uh, air distance right now last among qualified quarterbacks but <laughs> <laughs> but Jeff what have you saw uh, from Drew Brees do you feel like Drew Brees arm strength has diminished and do you think this is worth all of the conversation and debate that's going on right now well, it's so the thing with Drew Brees, so it's not just about, OK, has his arm strength diminished? Of course it has. He's 41 years old. Right. He was never a bomber coming out of Purdue. Like it's this is a situation where you're not looking at, OK, is he the same pastor that he was in you know the early 2000s? Right. You're talking about, is he the same pastor that he was in 2018 uh, when he also was last in the league in air yards or either either 2017 or 2018, he was also last in the league in air yards. He just had a, I think it was twice as high as it is now. That's the, <laughs> that's the main difference. Um, but he also wasn't playing without his number one wide receiver in, uh, right. in 2017. And you want to, you want to look from week one to week three and, and see improvement um, and I think you have seen improvement from Drew Brees in all the areas that are inside of throwing deep. Right. Uh, I mean, week one, he targeted two, two, uh, he threw two passes, 20 plus yards downfield. One was a long play to Jared Cook, right? And uh, official passes, I should say, because mm -hmm. he also targeted Emmanuel Sanders on a 40 yard pass down on the goal line and went for defensive pass interference, and they scored yeah. on the next play. or two plays after that. It was after the turnover. And uh, I think they got down to the two or three yard line and then Kamara ran it in. Right. So what was, what was different about week one than week three? I mean, you have an elite wide receiver who is keeping defenses honest yeah. when not allowed. And they aren't able to play that incredibly soft shell using the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. So if you, do the basic math there. <laughs> it's not that difficult to understand why getting the ball downfield is much more difficult than it was previously. Um, yeah. The way you have seen from week one to week two, week three is, you know, I thought Breeze was incredibly accurate in week three. He didn't only, you know, he didn't attempt passes 
downfield, but he did a lot in the 10 to 15 range. He made a couple nice throws to Emmanuel Sanders, one for a mm-hmm. touchdown, one in the second half right before the Camara play yeah. that no one remembers because what happened on the Camara play. But, you know, he had two rushes in his face and he threw the ball out in front of Emmanuel Sanders and it was a 18-yard gain in the first down, a really nice play. Uh, he hit Jared Cook on a, on a nice little corner route, uh, uh, either on the possession. I can't remember what possession it was. It was the play he got hurt on. It was in the third quarter. Right. You know, so I think those are what you need to see. Those throws are important because once you get back to the offense you want to play, I think they are going to attack deep, and he needs to be hitting all of the throws that go along with those deep shots to be able to be effective. Yeah, yeah, Jeff. Oh, let, let's go ahead and backtrack a little bit. I mean, you mentioned Emmanuel Sanders, but I want to go ahead and uh, and I encourage everybody to check out the article that uh, Jeff wrote on NOLA.com. But let's talk about the first play that you analyzed. Okay, we, it, this was the play that was a, that ended up being a sack, and it was I think uh, if I'm not mistaken, Emmanuel Sanders uh, w- went on a post route, and uh, I think you you wrote in your article that. Maybe he brought the, the, you know, saying defender too far down the field, and maybe Drew Brees was reluctant to throw that pass due to the trust. So, do you think that some of the issues that that are plaguing the New Orleans Saints right now, and Drew Brees' unwillingness to throw the ball down the field, has something to do with the trust factor right now? I mean, I, I don't think there's any question that they're still developing that chemistry. I think Brees said that himself. He's on what day is it today? I lose track every week. It's Thursday. He spoke yesterday after practice and they asked him, you know, is that chemistry coming along? And he said, yeah, and there's opportunities we haven't hit and we're going to hit them. And uh, it's, it's a week by week thing. And I think that what you saw last week in terms of, you know, that, that play you're talking about. So what I did was I took, I looked at all of the Drew Brees' drops in that game and I looked at all the seven step drops um, for, because those would be typically what you're referring to as a shot play. You know, you take a longer drop, you let the routes develop downfield and you hit a guy, you know, 20, 30 yards on a post or a fade, or, you know, maybe a uh, slant and go is another route that Sanders uh, takes downfield a lot. It's a long developing route because you have to fake the slant and go. Um, And this first play, it's the second sack Drew Brees took in the game. So the first one, he is another shot play, but it's a little different. And he that's the one where the defender kind of ran a stunt and the ball got stripped. Pete got back on it. Um, And so this play you're talking about here, there is more pressure coming in and Breeze kind of has to decide, Okay, am I going to wait this out and try to deliver the ball downfield and risk another fumble? Or, you know, is he just going to pull it down and take a sack? And the reason it got to that point is, you know, and, and I don't think that you'll get anyone to admit this. But I think Sanders ran his route a bit too far downfield. So they started at the 38-yard line. Most routes that break downfield are going to want to break between the 12 and 15-yard mark. Um, That's one of those things that a lot of people don't realize. These routes aren't as, you know, random as a lot of people seem to think. They're very formulaic. And the reason they they have to be that way is because you need to be able to anticipate where they're going to be. And if you watch that play, you'll watch Breeze take a seven-step drop off with a play action. Mm-hmm. He comes out of his drop. Um, Sanders has already kind of got rerouted inside. I think that's what threw him off a little bit. And as he gets to the 50, which would be the 12-yard mark, Breeze is out of his drop waiting. He's right. standing there uh, <laughs> just, just ready to throw the ball. Uh, and Sanders, you know, ideally he would have broken between that the 50 and the 47. Mm-hmm. instead he he breaks somewhere around the 45 or the 44 right. and that doesn't sound like a lot but that extra half second is what you need to throw that ball in that situation yep. Yep. and it actually takes away more time because as you're standing there you you know you'll hear a lot of people say oh he needs to lead him he needs to throw with anticipation you can't anticipate what you like if you don't know where it's gonna be right exactly. and, that's, and that's the when you're talking about chemistry that's what you're talking about it's it's understanding that he's going to come out of his break here. He's going to end up here. He's going to turn up field here. And if you don't know that yardage mark, you're probably going to throw an interception. Um, And that's what happened on that play. Uh, But later in the game, you know, they came back and they hit that throw I was talking about earlier, which was a very good anticipation throw. So you can see it kind of happen in real time. And the I counted six shot plays that they tried to run. Mm -hmm. They didn't hit any. (laughs) <laughs> but they did hit a 52-yard uh, touchdown pass 
uh, that never went more than a yard past the line of scrimmage. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, also, let's talk about that play. Let's talk about the Elvin Kamara play. Now, uh, Drew Brees mentioned that in his interview. He talked about uh, that that play was actually designed to go to Marquez Callaway. Um, you look at that, that you look at uh, the play and you wonder to yourself if maybe Marquez Callaway was a third year player versus being a rookie, would uh, Drew Brees have thrown that pass to him? Because it maybe it's just me, but it seemed like if he would have pump faked that ball, it would have caused the, I guess, the safety to kind of bite on it and it would allow Marquez Callaway to throw the ball down the field, but instead. He checked it down, Alvin Kamara, and, you know, the rest is history. One of the most exciting plays uh, I've seen in a very long time, you know, rooting for the Saints. But do you think it had a lot to do with maybe the fact that Marquez Callaway and what you just mentioned, uh, you know, not really knowing what the receiver was going to do? Why, why do you think that he decided to just check it down to Alvin Kamara in that play? Well, that, that play's kind of interesting because, A, yeah, you want to get a big play downfield, but Breeze right. made objectively the right decision. And the right decision is more often than not, okay, I have Alvin Kamara. He's the best player on the field. How can I get him the ball? Right. Uh, and it's easy to say, oh, he checked it down. If you watch that play, that is not an easy pass that he made that. There's 23 yards between the hash marks and the sidelines. He throws the ball from right inside the left hash mark to outside the numbers. That's mm-hmm. a 13 13- you know, 12, 13 yard throw yeah. parallel to the line of scrimmage. Right. That's a pick six if you don't throw well. Yeah. Uh, I, I was thinking that too. Because you look yeah. at that linebacker that, 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 right. you know, that zeroed in He's on there. That, the cornerback, excuse me, that zeroed in on him. He was right there. I mean, yeah. Alvaro broke the tackle. And all that's not a good throw. It's, yeah. a, it's a touchdown for the Packers. Yeah. <laughs> it's really easy to, to say, well, he didn't do any of the work. That's a that's not a throw that a lot of NFL quarterbacks, A, get to in their progression because they right. try to force it downfield where it's not there, or B, can make effectively. Anyway, that's not what we're talking about. But for the route... <laughs> <laughs> the route combination you're talking about is kind of a it's an interesting it's almost it's very similar to what the Saints ran to Deontay Harris with Taysom Hill against the right. Bucks, which is you have Marcus Callaway in that situation coming out he's he's in the I want to say the strong side was right so he'd be in the mm-hmm. Z or mm-hmm. no the he's the X on that play so he's running the over the deep yeah. over and Sanders is on the opposite side running the deep post right. um and the play design is is really it's a you know, you're trying to get that deep safety to commit. And in, unless he commits to the over, that should be open because right. that you have Traquan Smith on the opposite side, but he stays in a block. And so ideally that should hold that corner just enough that he's trying to protect against kind of a backside run. But Alvin Kamara leaks to the other side, so he doesn't have to do that. Right. And so what you're looking at in this play, it's a personnel thing. Right. Marcus Callaway shouldn't be the guy <laughs> running the deep over. That should be... Sanders that should be Traquan Smith that should be Deontay Harris but because you don't have Michael Thomas you have to have Traquan Smith in to block because he's your best blocking wide receiver and suddenly that DB no longer has to sit and if you watch that play it wasn't about a pump fake if he you need to hit Callaway early in that play to hit him because by the time he gets to the sideline the the throw is too long (laughs) and that DB can get back there the only way that works is if you hit him early and if you watch it, you see Callaway coming over. You see the safety sit on top of the post, so that's gone. And then you see that DB kind of dropping right into that zone that you'd want to deliver the ball. Right. Now, I, I said this, you know, if this is if you want to call it a miss and you want to say he could have squeezed the ball into Marcus Callaway, sure. But I don't want to see Drew Brees in that situation <laughs> trying to squeeze the ball into Marquez Callaway. He's <laughs> never had an NFL target. And, yeah. and that's where you have the personnel thing where it's like, yeah, would you would you like to have someone else running that route? Probably, but mm-hmm. you're in a personnel jam. Yeah. Um, and so he got the ball to Kamara, and you know what happened. And Exactly. And I think it is also important to understand that, like, they are running these shot plays, and every single time they ran a shot play that didn't result in a sack, obviously, the four times, they got really nice gains. They got right. a 13-yard pass to Jared Cook. They, they, only, they ran four others that I identified that weren't sacks. 13-yard right. pass to Jared Cook, 18-yard pass to Emmanuel Sanders for a first down that I talked about a 19-yard pass to Traquan Smith on the fourth down play on the final drive, and then the 50-yard touchdown. So just the threat of going deep is even enough at times to create those opportunities underneath. Yeah. I mean, okay, we look at Jared Cook. Um, Like you said, he, um, he pulled his groin in the third quarter of the game on, on that 18-yard catch. 
probably going to have Alan Troutman in a situation like that. So I, I know that the play once again was designed to uh, give longer yards than the 18 yard game by Jared Cook. But do you think in a situation like that, and I heard you mention that in your article as well, uh, do you think that the Saints might end up pulling the trigger on uh, that particular play? I think that was designed for Emmanuel Sanders, if I'm not mistaken. And I also want you to elaborate on that Marquez Callaway play, uh, you know, the fact that he was down the field and there was a possibility that he could have got it. Do you think that there may be a play that the Saints probably keep in their back pocket to use later on down the line? So you're, you're, well, we don't know if Jared Cook is going to play or not. That's, that's, I'm just saying, like, just out of yeah. pure specul- speculation here. I mean, let's just say, for example, you know, he didn't, I don't think he practiced yesterday, if I'm not he mistaken. Did not. No. Okay. And I don't know about today, but let's just say, for example, he doesn't play. And Alan Troutman, to me, is the next pass catching tight end. And he's oh, in that he situation. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you, do you see, uh, uh, let's just say a year, I mean, a year. A, a, a game of experience between Drew Brees and Emmanuel Sanders. Does Drew Brees uh, probably take that shot in that situation? And does he take the shot with that Marquez Callaway play as well? I, I guess that's what I'm saying. Because it seems to me that was that, those are trust throws to me. Those are trust throws. Like we talked about that earlier about having to trust, knowing where the receiver is going to be. So do you think that they may revisit these two plays in particular? And maybe it will be a successful down the field throw by to both uh, receivers in that in that regard. It's it's tough to say. I I think that the Saints have simplified their playbook a lot without Michael Thomas. And if you lose Jared Cook for any you know period of time, which mm-hmm. you know it, it's tough with a with a groin injury, with any soft tissue injury, it's really tough. And the Saints are notorious about not, you know, giving out any information on injuries. Yeah. Uh, like Marcus Davenport might play. He might not. <laughs> All we know is that his elbow hurts. Right. Uh, but he's missed the first three weeks. As he's, he was limited this this last uh, – or yesterday. Well, we're going to find out this afternoon uh, on a lot of those guys. Michael Thomas might be back. He might not be back. And that limits what you can game plan, what you can install – early in the week because you don't know who's going to be there at the end of the week. Um, So for a guy like Adam Troutman, he got 41 snaps in week three. He had gotten 16 the first two, each of the first two weeks. And I think what you're going to see with him is they're going to keep giving him simple routes. I don't think you're going to see him run that banana type route from the, from inline from the Y, but you're going to see a lot more of the, you know, those inside stick routes that they ran one against the Raiders. Um, They ran one against the, they ran it a couple times again in the Packers game. Right. One of them went to him for, you know, a nice seven yard gain on first down. Right. And then they ran it again on that final play where Breeze pumped to him and hit Trey Quan Smith on the dig. Right. Um, so I think you are going to see route combinations that, that stack differently if it's Adam Troutman instead of Jared Cook, because he's not going to be your top option uh, on a play where you have Sanders running a post and he's running that kind of corner underneath it. Your, right. your top option is going to be Sanders. Right. You know, even even if you're looking to Troutman, you're going to probably, you know, trying to influence that safety so you can hit Sanders or you're not running that route combination at all. And you're taking advantage of Michael Thomas on the opposite side. Right. Uh, so it's it's tough to say. But I think that Adam Troutman, if Jerry Cook misses time, Adam Troutman is going to be really important and he's going to have to grow up real fast. Right. Uh, for a guy who's only played three games, had no preseason snaps. Right. Yeah, I just think that Ellen Troutman, I think he has a lot of potential. Uh, I think the Saints are kind of slowly trying to gradually bring him into the offense. And I think that he's probably going to be doing more damage towards the, the end of the season. Like once he like really gets adjusted, I, I do think that uh, I, I do see Drew Brees looking his way a little bit more than he did like the first couple of games that he played. So that, that definitely is a plus. Um, I, I want to talk now about, a little bit about, that, that that final play, uh, that, that the fumble by Taysom Hill. Now, <laughs> I, I know you looked at that play. Uh, okay, we all know that Taysom Hill uh, runs the RPO pretty well. I mean, but in this particular case, Jeff, did he make the right decision by keeping the football on that play? And besides, instead of giving the ball to Latavius Murray, in your opinion? All right, so I'm going to answer your question but I'm going to do it in an annoying way that doesn't answer it right away. Uh, so Taysom Hill is a really, really weird situation this season. He had three, and, he, and he's looked incredibly rusty. 
Mm. Uh, he had he's had eight quarterback snaps total. Mm-hmm. Um, you could argue that he's misplayed more than half of them. Uh, he had three quarterback snaps against the Packers. The first one was his own read. He probably should have kept it. He handed it off. The second one was um, the the playoff play, the Vikings the Vikings playoff play, or or Deontay Harris. We talked about this last time I was on. Yeah. Deontay Harris runs that little dino post, mm-hmm. and uh, this time it's Traquan Smith running that that kind of over uh, that shallow shallow drive route right. or the shallow whatever you want to call it crossing route, mm-hmm. uh, and he misplayed it. Traquan Smith was. Wide, wide open, open. like yeah. painfully open yeah. over the middle and he just never came off Deontay Harris who's supposed to be the second read on that play uh you're supposed to work from right to left in that situation because you're trying it, best worst case scenario you look and he's covered and you influence that safety and and it looked weird this time because he never came off Deontay Harris he just stared yeah. at him and the safety is like just sitting over the top waiting for Harris or Taste him to pull it down and run so he can drop on it. But, yeah. uh, you know, he's that's a, just a bad read. It's just yeah. a bad read. And then the, the zone read that you talked about, of, he, of course he should have handed it off. Uh, <laughs> it's a weird play. It's a weird play because – and you, you got to give Taysom a little credit because it's a really difficult read in that situation because as you – if you watch the replay, Josh Hill's kind of coming in to do a kick out, mm-hmm. and he crosses the vision of of the guy – of the rusher, which the whole point is yeah. – yeah. Oh, the whole point is for the quarterback to be able to see what he's doing. Yeah. And uh, the blocking kind of took that away. And then if you watch it, where Taysom's handing the ball to Murray, Murray is kind of naturally in between him and the defender. So it's almost the case where you're just guessing because he can't actually see what he's doing. And, I, right. and that's a play design thing that probably wasn't optimal. Um, and it almost feels like, the decision was made for him to keep that ball before it was like, it, it was a, it was more of a play action handoff than his own read handoff. He was keeping yeah. that the whole way. <laughs> um, and he, he has to keep it in there a while to, to hold the fake the first one. And and it kind of feels like that way sometimes with his own read, it feels like he's like, okay, I handed it off the first time. I'm going to keep it this time. It's like, that's yeah. kind of not the point, but um, he's looked rusty. And, mm-hmm. and I think that when you really think about, what Taysom Hill has to do at quarterback and what he has to do at the other positions. You talk about guys not like not having a preseason, you know, there are players who, you know, Drew Brees is 20 years into the NFL. He doesn't need the preseason snaps. He he knows what he's doing. He's the, can do the, makes these reasons sleep. Right. Taysom Hill. That's the only time he gets to practice quarterback. And yeah. you can say, Oh, he had training camp. Yeah. He had training camp. He had to split reps with Jameis Winston, who's also yeah. learning the offense and right. he's not getting first team reps there either. So right. even by a standard backups perspective, he's getting fewer reps. Um, and then on top of that, he plays five different positions. Yeah. He's got to learn those responsibilities. He's got to learn those installs. Yeah. And so is it a surprise that after not getting, you know, he got last year in the preseason, he got 141 quarterback snaps. Mm. In the regular season in the playoffs, he got 41 total. Wow. Like, so... <laughs> They, you know, the the metaphor is often like, okay, learning an offense is kind of like learning a language. Well, you know, you can kind of build on that. I was like, okay, if you learned a language for a year Mm. and you felt like you were fluent in it and then you just didn't do it, (laughs) you didn't speak it, you didn't hear it. uh, (laughs) And then all of a sudden you're getting paid to translate (laughs) professionally (laughs) and you haven't done it. You haven't right. got a chance to practice really in 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 this live setting, right? Are you are you going to get that translation right? Are you, you going to miss a few words? And I think <laughs> that's what you're seeing with Taysom Hill. He's right. just he just doesn't have the reps, and those preseason reps are really important for him. And you hope that kind of he can he can kind of get this ironed out on the fly, you know. Especially that miss to Traquan. The zone read is tough. You, you know, it's it's a split second thing. He can't miss his read. Um, if you watch the Vikings play and you watch the one from uh, sun- Sunday, like back to back, the difference you'll see, they run a jumbo set. Kamara swings out mm-hmm. away from where Taysom Hill's rolling out to give him right. space. And in that play, Michael Thomas is running the deep over and Taysom starts to that side. Mm-hmm. And they crash down on MT. And then right. he goes back to Deontay Harris for who's beaten Xavier Rhodes for the touchdown or for the long pass. This right. time he skipped that first part. He locked straight on Deontay Harris and 
never even considered throwing that. And so this, instead of a, a read, he, instead of a, a triple read, really, which is, okay, the deep over, Deontay Harris, run. It was right. just Deontay Harris, a run. Right. <laughs> and, and the Packers clearly didn't think he was going to throw to that over route, and mm-hmm. they were right. And, you know, the good thing about Taysom Hill is that even him completely botching that read still got an eight-yard eight gain yeah, on first yeah, yeah. That's kind of the – that's what you got to keep in mind is, you know, his – Baseline is a lot higher, whereas if Drew Brees did that, you know that's a that's a sack for an eight yard loss. You know, right. so that that is why it's it's nice to have him in there, and he gets those looks, he gets those really really inviting sets to attack because of who he is, because he can run. Right. Um, and this is a really long winded answer to a short question, but no. I've been, I've no, been it's not, no, it's fine, no, it's fine because I wanted to have a, I have a follow up question uh, about Taysom anyway. Uh, I got to put you on the spot here. Uh, I, I read an article and they were talking about uh, the Taysom Hill experiment. Maybe it's time to shut down the Taysom Hill experiment. And they, they made this compelling argument about how Taysom Hill is taking away uh, some of the snaps from some of these younger receivers like uh, Adam Troutman, because normally he plays the tight end position or wide receiver that's, that's young. Do you think that it's time for Taysom Hill to mostly focus on the aspect of, of, of being a quarterback more so than having him line up at tight end or receiver? Uh, do you think they need to kind of slowly move him away from that role so he can, you know, mostly focus on being a quarterback? Because, I mean, we don't know how long Drew Brees is going to play. A lot of people think he won't retire after this year, like myself. You know, so, I mean, he'd also, <laughs> I mean, you, you have to uh, go out here and compete against Jameis possibly next season. So do you think that it's time for him to, kind of gradually move away from that Swiss army road? Uh, I mean, no, no, (laughs) because that's why he's, you know, you can say they paid him to be the quarterback of the future. They didn't, they paid him to be a piece in the offense that you cannot defend. Right. Um, I mean, the idea that there's guys sitting there just begging for snaps because who, I I guess I, I, I'm not sure who you're dying to get out there on these on these heavy sets, like asking them to block because that's right. that's what he's doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the same reason Josh Hill is an important piece of this roster is he's willing to do things that don't get a lot of attention. You know, right. he's going to stay in to block. He's going to be that max protect guy. Um, on Alvin Kamara's run against the Bucks, they mm-hmm. shifted Ryan Ramchek outside of Teron Armstead on the left side and had Josh Hill, uh, Taysom Hill, and Traquan Smith uh, lead the seal the edge there. Um, right. And so, like, those are the type of things that it's like that's not a rep that you, you're desperate to get Marquez Callaway out there for. You know, a guy <laughs> like that. You're, you're trying to do things that the the defense can't prepare for and. He, he allows you to do that. Whenever he comes out onto the field, the defense has to account for – they have no idea. They could line up at five different positions. Right. Um, and the issue right now is he's not executing the most important position, which is quarterback, mm-hmm. when he's in it. Um, and so they need to do something in terms of getting him more practice reps, getting him more comfortable – so that when he's in, when he's like thrown into that role, he's not playing like his head's on fire because mm-hmm. that's what it's felt like the last couple games, especially right. week three. Um, and you know maybe maybe the solution is the next few weeks they don't run those quarterback sets, um, mm-hmm. and they find a way to get him more familiar. You know, I thought the double pass was a really good way to do that. Um, yeah, I liked it where you're taking advantage of his quarterback skills, but you're not forcing him to line up under center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know. And it's tough because I, I also hate plays where breeze is sitting at the bottom, uh, just pretending he's going to run around and everyone knows he's not. Um, <laughs> hey, do you ever think that one day possibly they can throw the ball to him? Like just, no, because nobody. <laughs> Maybe ten years ago, if you go back and if you go back and like teleport Taysom Hill back when Drew Brees was not forty years old, you know maybe they would consider it. No, not forty-one year old Drew Brees is not getting his hands on the ball unless it's given to him by the center. Maybe a flea flicker. Maybe. Um, but no, and and I think that that's you know I wouldn't mind seeing more Wildcat. I wouldn't mind seeing more 
you know, a set where Alvin Kamara actually takes a snap from under center and he can actually throw it to Taysom Hill because yeah. you're, you want to take advantage of his passing ability, but you don't want to put him into the box of being a, a quarterback because right. you're not, you know, and who cares if he's the quarterback of the future? Like, yeah, good point. Who cares? It doesn't matter right now. What matters right now is not losing and going to one and three. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it's obviously people want to talk about Jameis Winston. They want to talk about Taysom Hill. None of that is a factor in week four of the 2020 season. Yeah. You know, the, the Saints have been over leveraged on the salary cap for <laughs> feels like decades at this point. Right. And uh, they have to worry about winning this season. And Taysom Hill makes them better. Taysom Hill playing well makes them better. And they need to get back to that. They need to get back to Vikings, you know, impact level right. Taysom Hill. Um, and and they just haven't had that uh, so far. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, the, the whole Taysom Hill uh, experiment has been really successful over the past couple of years. And I have to agree with you. You know, he has been relatively rusty. And um, that is one play that, that that stuck out in my mind. I mean, they even mentioned that on Sunday Night Football, how wide open. Like, it, it, it is crazy. Even Warren Sapp like, tweeted about like, it. Like, like, I mean, Traquan was, like, right in his face. Like, literally, like, right there, you know. Brutal. Like, yeah, I felt bad because I tweeted a picture. I tweeted a a, a picture from the All Twenty Two. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the the caption was basically Taysom Hill decided his best option was to run on this play. <laughs> and literally, Traquan Smith is is halfway across the field. He's well into his route. There's no one within ten yards of him on either side. <laughs> he could have thrown it to him underhanded. Yeah. Uh, and that's just you know I and the thing is like Taysom Hill is not a guy who's going to look at that on tape and be, and, and be anything but just disgusted with himself. That's the yeah. thing to remember. Like this is a guy who works. This is yeah. a guy who's willing to learn five different positions. And yeah. when he's not playing well, you know, he's not okay with that. Like I guarantee you, he's spent all week thinking like, okay, <laughs> next time I get that read, I'm going to look over there and I'm sure the coaches have drilled it into him. Right. Uh, and hopefully, you know, and that's the thing, if he had gotten that read in the preseason and screwed it up, which I'm sure he would have. They would have run every single play that they intended to run in the regular season because there's only a handful. They would have just hammered those plays just to make sure he was on the reads that he was supposed to be and he was getting to the right player first and not locking on to Deontay Harris. If he does that in week three of the preseason and they they sit him down in midweek and go over the film and say, Taysom, you need to at least check your first read before working back over here. Right. Maybe in week three, he reads, he does that correctly and he hits Traquan Smith for a 40 yard touchdown or however long it would have been. Right. Uh, so, and now that had to happen in week three of the regular season. So, hope maybe in week six, he gets that read again and he does it right and he does it correctly because he screwed it up in week three. Yeah. I mean, luckily, I mean, look, week three is, is, is over. I mean, we can't take it back. You know, I mean, the Saints lost the game. Right now, they sit at one and two. It's time to move forward to the Detroit Lions game. But one thing that the Saints are going to have to improve on is their defense. And one person that has been uh, the bright spot of the defense over the past, I mean, years, throughout the years, have been Cam Jordan. And as of right now, Cam Jordan doesn't have a sack, Jeff. And that's something that yeah. is very rare. Um, something Very rare that we see Cam Jordan at this stage uh, of the season not have at least one sack. So looking at some of the, the offensive uh, line play, what is the offensive line doing to make sure that Cam Jordan doesn't get to the quarterback? Or is this something that Cam Jordan normally used to do, but he's not doing right now? It, it's tough to say. I think the matchups are a factor here. Um, in week one, you, you know, in week one, they actually got a lot of pressure. Tom Brady's just really good at getting getting rid of the ball, but they've they've affected him. They made him make bad passes, um, and he threw two interceptions. And I think on both of those interceptions, they got some good pressure with the front four. They were actually among the league leaders in pressure generated with just the front four in week one. In week two, you ran into Derek Carr and the Raiders, who, you know, the Saints for years have been among the league leaders in like fewest sacks taken because they get the ball out fast. That's Breeze's thing. And Derek Carr, if you had to pick a team that does it, you know, as well, or at least as often, it's the Raiders. They get the ball out fast and they eliminate the threat of the pass rush 
um, because they pepper a guy like Darren Waller with 16 targets. Uh, and <laughs> they had no answer for him. Malcolm Jenkins just had a really rough start. He's a guy who he's a guy who needs to get going because he's going to get these really tough matchups. He was he's a guy who's being asked to guard uh, Darren Waller. He's the guy who was being asked to guard Mercedes Lewis on that touchdown. Uh, and you know you, I, it's not going to get better, Jeff. It's not going to get better because I mean you got Travis Kelsey coming to town. You got I know George I know. Kittle coming to town. <laughs> like it's only going right. It's only going to get worse. So, but I mean, those, but, but again, those offenses are a little different because you're, yeah. you know, Aaron Rod. So you have two quarterbacks in in Derek Carr, and then obviously Aaron Rodgers. So Derek Carr does it a little differently, but uh, he's very good at avoiding it, negating pressure because you just don't have the time. You have to send blitzes, and if you blitz, then he can throw it to his hot, you know, his hot receiver and you're in trouble. And that's what happened with Darren Waller. Um, with the Packers, I mean, the the biggest issue, in my opinion, in that game, and I think the defense started well, is there's the crowd noise is such a big factor at yeah. the Superdome. Yeah, we talked and, about that off the, we talked about that off air. I mean, yeah, Aaron, and Aaron Rodgers is the best. There's no one better in the NFL at using a snap count. And I think that he gets away with some, uh, some sneaky theatrics there. Like, you know, Chris Collinsworth was giggling about how he almost called a timeout uh, on that play that Demario Davis jumped. You, you think that Aaron Rodgers is accidentally doing anything? <laughs> this no. is a guy who is about as meticulous as humanly possible at the line of scrimmage. Yep. He knows what he's doing. I, I mean, he knows that if he, you know, you can get called for a false start as a quarterback if you simulate the snap action with your hands. I know mm-hmm. it's a podcast, but obviously uh, there is a video component to this. So you can see me just waving my hands dramatically. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and he's, by doing what he did and kind of like, uh, like fainting that he was going to do a timeout, mm-hmm. that kind of, the refs aren't going to call it. Right. And that's brilliant. It's brilliant. Uh, but it's like th- there's no way in that I'm believing that Aaron Rodgers was that out of the moment <laughs> that in that part of the game when he was <laughs> in the red zone, right. he knew exactly what he was doing. And yeah. and that was just one example. But, you know, they had at least two other kind of encroachment situations where he's running a hard count in a huge moment in the Superdome. Yeah. In the NFC Championship, Jared Goff, we talked about this too. Jared Goff literally had to tape over the ear holes in his helmet because he couldn't hear the radio two inches from him. Like, that's a difference. It's not only like hyping up your players, it's actually affecting the other team. And, you know, there were several, you know, that that Janoris Jenkins uh, pass interference, you know, the Saints have been killed in penalty yardage. The reason that Aaron Rodgers was able to attack that throw the way he did was because he had free play. Yeah, in the red zone, and then that free play turned into off turned into fast interference, <laughs> and a first and goal, and like that's just something that would not happen the same way if people were in there. And you know the defense has to be better, mm-hmm. but we I, I mentioned earlier, at least I told you, maybe we weren't recording. Is you got to remember this is the Packers and Aaron Rodgers on a short week right after the Saints got pretty yeah. badly exposed against the Raiders. Yeah. The Packers just cloned the Raiders game of attack. They didn't have Devontae Adams, which I think worked to their benefit because yeah. when Marshawn Lattimore has a guy, he can just latch onto and chase across the field. He's a better player. He He's the type of guy who gets up for that matchup. Yeah. Every time Mike Evans shows up, it's like you're just waiting for him to have a boxing match. Right. And, you know, he's that type of guy. And I almost think that worked to the Packers' advantage um, yeah. because they don't have that kind of focal point for your defense to attack. And when you have two man corners that want to lock people down, that's that's a tough thing. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, Cam Jordan specifically, I, he's, had a, he's had a slow start. You need to see him get going against the Lions. The Lions aren't going to work that quick passing game the same way the Packers do. Yeah. They're not going to run Matt uh, – I'm, I'm sorry – uh, Matt Stafford yep. on any naked bootlegs from the 50 yard line. That I don't know, they might. <laughs> they can, they can why, try. Yeah, it won't I mean, go away. Did with the Packers, I'll tell you that much. And why wouldn't you, uh, Jeff? Why wouldn't you at this point? I mean, I mean, Hawkinson and um, who else they have? But uh, Jesse James. I mean, they're they're two uh, pretty decent tight ends right there. You know. So. Yeah, I'm not talking about the tight ends. I'm talking about throwing a 50 yard bomb to oh. Adam Lazard without stepping into it. Oh, I mean, no, go no, out, go out in your backyard, grab a football, go out in your backyard and try to do this crazy reverse pivot move and then throw as far as you can. You're going to you're going to throw it like 20 yards to the right. 
Yeah. You're going to be dizzy. <laughs> and you're you're going to break a window. Like that throw is impossible for anyone not named Aaron Rodgers and maybe yeah. Pat Mahomes. But even Pat Mahomes, like when he throws deep, he at least looks like he's trying. Yeah, I, like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Did you see that? Did you see that uh, pass? Who did they play? They played the Chargers. It was the Chargers. The Tyreek Hill play where he's on a full sprint to his right. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I, I, yeah, I, I right. Agree. But he at least winds up. <laughs> that's yeah. the thing. Like when <laughs> Rogers and he's and and there's and that's my point is when he's rolling out to his arm side. That's a much easier throw to make when you're the ball is ahead of you. Aaron Rodgers did that makes rolls out on his bootleg to the, the opposite way. So the only way to throw is to kind of turn your shoulders back. Mm-hmm. And if you, if there's anyone near you, you don't have time to reset, Yeah. but he didn't point. even bother resetting. He literally just got his shoulders around and threw it just straight upper body, 50 yards on a dime. It's yeah. impossible. And he makes it look effortless. And I, you know, if you're a defense and you're going up against that, you, you just have to hope Adam Lazard drops it. Yeah. That's, there's really not much you can do to defend that type of play. And it came right after the fumble. It was, you know, a quick change, momentum type play. Or was it? Yeah, it was. I can't remember. He threw it twice. They ran it twice. One of them came after Taysom Mills fumble. Um, and one of them was in the second quarter. I can't remember. I think it was early in the drive, but mm-hmm. Aaron Rodgers is a spectacular quarterback, and the Saints have had really bad luck early in the season. Um, I expect the defense to rebound. I expect, especially in the secondary, I think, you know, they're going to come into week four really um, motivated to show better in the secondary. Uh, And I think they will. I mean, Kenny Galladay is a tough, a tough matchup, but. He's the type of guy that I think you're going to latch Marshawn Lattimore onto. And I wouldn't start him in fantasy if I had him, which I do. Yeah. Um, <laughs> not, I like a bad, not a bad decision. Not a bad decision. I like Kenny Galladay. I think he, I think he's one of the most underrated receivers in the NFL. Like he's like a, a well-kept secret. If you're not like really like engulfed into to the NFL, like you probably wouldn't know who he is, but. I mean, this guy has a huge catch radius. He's about what six foot four. He's big. Yeah, so, I mean, they call him. He and he has two of the best nicknames out there. One of them is Smooth Jazz because he's Kenny G, <laughs> <laughs> and the other one's Babytron <laughs> because like Megatron. Uh, yeah. And yeah, and he 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 has a lot in common with a young Michael Thomas, which yeah. Michael Thomas is still young, but both of these guys kind of came in a little later on. Like my, Michael Thomas is older than Brandon Cooks, and most people don't realize that. <laughs> Wow. Like Brandon Cooks is 26. Michael Thomas is 26, turning 27, right. uh, which is the but it's because, you know, he stayed four years at Ohio State or wherever. I can't remember. He came he came out of college late. He didn't you know, he didn't come out after, after in his first opportunity the way a guy like Cooks did, the way a lot of these, you know, Calvin Ridley, for example. Yeah. So he's a few years older than and he's a little more mature than the, the, the younger receivers that you might see in other situations. Right. Um, so I, I think they have a lot in common. They they're both very big. Uh, Kenny Galladay's a little a little quicker, but he's not quite as as uh, built as a guy like Thomas. So he's going to yeah. try to threaten you down the field more. And Matt Stafford loves to chuck it. So yeah. it's going to be an interesting matchup. It's going to be a fun matchup, I think. Yeah, I mean, every time the Saints play the Lions, it's always an exciting game. Like you, you, uh, it always seems like it, it goes down to the wire. You and, remember uh, the one from a few years back? Uh, Golden that was the Cam Jordan Spider Man tackle game. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, <laughs> I mean that, that's been like so many. I mean, so many like Saints Lion moments. Like we know about the wild card game uh, a couple years back. Uh, the game with Golden Tate uh, broke off and scored a touchdown at the last minute. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Lattimore, you know, uh, rookie uh, season where he had his first uh, interception. He was a pick six. So it's always exciting every time the Saints play the Lions. Like I, I have a. I was saying on my last podcast, I. I really enjoy watching the Lions play because I feel like in some ways they're kind of similar to the Saints. The only difference is the Saints uh, have been prosperous over the years and the Lions haven't. But The only difference is the Lions still have Adrian Peterson. I know. Uh, (laughs) He is there, right? Adrian Peterson is on the Lions. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. they actually actually appointed him as the starting running back. Uh, Did they? Yeah. Yeah. I I was reading an article uh, the other day, and they said that he's going to be the starting running back in this game. So. Yeah, well, uh, who'd they draft? Swift? 
Yeah, DeAndre Swift out of yeah. Georgia. Yeah. Well, yeah. You, I, I think you might have to sit him down. I mean, after that Chicago Bears game when you I, – I don't know. But it, <laughs> but Jeff, uh, thank the you The Bears so have just been much. embarrassing everybody, so it's not just the Lions. <laughs> I mean, I, we, we, we can't we can't not talk about the Falcons, right? Like we have to. Uh, we, <laughs> I mean, I I don't think that I would be okay with myself if I didn't at least troll the Falcons a little bit. Oh yeah, go ahead. Come on, <laughs> look, come been, on. <laughs> been, what the hell is happening in Atlanta? That team is way too good. <laughs> I I grew up a Giants fan, and they can't even. Beat the the 49ers. Oh my goodness. We don't even have half their roster. They have a oh backup quarterback. They don't have their top two running backs. They don't have wide receivers. They don't have anybody. They don't have Nick Bosa. And they blew the doors off the Giants. But at least I know what to expect. <laughs> I don't go into the fourth quarter with a 15-point lead thinking, oh man, we're in trouble now. You cannot make this stuff up. Like <laughs> this is like so I, I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah, it, it seems like I'm not a I understand about Louisiana, and I know we don't like the Falcons, and I'm not a real big believer in voodoo, but I really believe that a voodoo priestess, priestess has, has put a spell on the Atlanta Falcons some some way somehow. I just feel bad no, at this point. Like it's, yeah, it's, it's beyond like a it's beyond like a like an adversarial thing. It's just like, geez, can't something good happen? <laughs> well, I it's mean, 2020, every, everything sucks, but at least the Saints aren't the Falcons. <laughs> I, I I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I, just, I mean, but but just, let me let me say this though. The only thing that bothers me about this whole entire situation, this is what scares me, Jeff. We have Jeff Ireland as the assistant general manager who has been knocking it out of park for the last three to four years, and now coaches uh cannot like you know come in between like assistant coaches getting opportunities to get interviews. That's the only thing that scares me. I am afraid that the Falcons are going to try to interview Jeff Ireland. He's going to, they're going to take him away from us because there's no way like it's it. it, it uh, Demistroff, whatever his name is, it's over. It's over. Dan Quinn is over. It's it, like, yeah, how like long does say, Dan Quinn survive? I mean, do, is there so, any way he gets through the season? Like, it seems crazy that he, hell that, no. uh, he got through the week. Hell no. There's no way. There's no way. Don't like that. said, the only reason why, the only reason why I feel like they haven't fired him yet is because the season is early. Like I said, it, it's only it's a matter of candidates. <laughs> exactly. Everybody, you know, everybody. It's hard to get people in the building. Everybody right. wearing mass social distancing. You gotta make sure that you know you don't Maybe bring anybody checks. in. It, exactly. That's the only reason why he's still here because they don't want to do the paperwork. And it, <laughs> I'm serious. Wild, but I'm afraid that Jeff Ireland is going to get taken away, and they've been watching Jeff Ireland knock it out of the park every single year up close because they're in the same division. I know for a fact, I, I, I just have a strong feeling that they're going to end up hiring Jeff Ireland away from the New Orleans Saints. And because how good he is and, and how knowledgeable he is and how good he's been when it comes to scouting, it's going, I, I don't want to see that. I just don't want to see that. Yeah. There was a, there was a column, a column that was written in the, uh, Atlanta Journal Constitution. It's a really good paper in Atlanta, obviously. Um, and the headline, I want to say, I'm paraphrasing, but the headline basically was like, somebody stop Dan Quinn before he tries to coach football again. <laughs> <laughs> this is a column. This is a major publication. That's mm. what, that's how bad it is uh, in uh, in Falcons land right now. Um, so as, as frustrating as a one and two start is for the Saints, always remember can get worse oh yeah it, it can't get it can't get any worse than, than the falcons like honestly i think that's the only thing that's really you know that, that we're looking at as saints fans we're like well at least we're not the falcons and i think everybody said even jets fans right now jeff are saying well at least we're not the Falcons." right i mean giants <laughs> fans <laughs> like, okay we're on three that's best bad luck though jeff i mean saquon barkley i mean going down tearing his acl uh, i don't want to talk about it man I mean, it like, bums me out it bums yeah, me out yeah. and uh yeah sterling shepherd got yeah. got turco and daniel yeah. jones couldn't spot a backside blitz if it threw a rock at him it's mm-hmm. bad it's bad yeah. in new york the only saving grace is they have a they have a rookie head coach, so he's not going to get fired immediately. Well, at least at least Gallowman will be gone. Like that's that's a bit that's like the the biggest issue that you y'all think? deal with. <laughs> that's the biggest issue. So once y'all get rid of you him, think, you maybe. think a coach? Do you think a GM that 
like turned a roster into it into something that won four games, what five games over two seasons. They've <laughs> won fewer games than the Saints have lost in the wow. last two years. Ooh. And he kept his job somehow. I don't know. And he, and he keeps signing former Panthers players. <laughs> Does he sign them there? Why not? I guess. Uh, I don't know. Well, I, my, I, in my honest and humble opinion, I think the, the same thing going on with PJ Williams and the Saints is what's going on with Gettleman. And I don't know how they keep, like, to, in my opinion, I don't know why they keep bringing them back. Dave Gettleman, he must have some, some, some footage or some pictures or something like that, some very incriminating stuff going on in New York for him to keep his job after all that, all those bad hires. I mean, I just, I don't know. But the good uh, news is they'd definitely be hard copies because I don't think he knows how to use a computer. <laughs> that too much. Why, why are we trolling Dave Gettleman right now? He's not going to listen to this podcast. I, I don't. I don't know. Hey, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I mean, we end up talking about the Falcons, but hey, it's, it's all in it. We just kind of we made the natural transition from the Falcons to just bad. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> but once again, at least you're not. The Falcons. There you go. That should be like the the tagline of this show at every and at the end of every episode. I mean, like and like we always say, at least, at least we're not the Falcons. Oh, this, is, this is good. This is, this is good stuff. <laughs> but Jeff, thank you so much. Uh, this has been uh, fun. It's always a good time every time you show up. But uh, let everybody know how they can get in touch with you. Yeah, so uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff underscore Nowak. That's N O W A K. That's uh, that's the best plot because I don't. I don't do too much Instagram. I'm a I'm I'm an old soul. Uh, I don't <laughs> like to take pictures. I tweet a lot of videos though. So if you're interested in that, I do a lot of all 22 stuff. So that's what I've been focusing on, and people seem to be appreciating it. So I'll keep doing yeah. that. If you want to see something, if there's a play from the game you want me to look at, hit me up. DMs are open. Uh, you can follow me on uh, Noah.com is where uh, you can find any of my articles. I posted something a story today that we talked about a lot, which is I uh, went through all six of Drew Brees' shot plays from that game. Just Drew Brees, I didn't, I couldn't, didn't have the emotional depth to talk about Taysom Hill this week, but <laughs> maybe next week, maybe that's what I'll do next week. Um, so yeah, you can check out any of my stuff there and uh, check us out on the our YouTube page, which is New Orleans Saints on Noah.com, uh, posting stuff pretty regularly. A lot of a lot of interviews, a lot of highlight packages, stuff like that, and then do some film breakdowns there too. Yeah, absolutely. Y'all check them out, Jeff Nowak. I mean, breaking down all the games and. You know, always breaking down those plays and giving us clarity about what's really going on inside of the huddle. But, Jeff, thank you so much for being a part of the State of the Saints podcast. And you can say it along with me, at least you're not the Falcons. Falcons. (laughs) Man, thanks for having me. All right. Thank you, man. Take care.